My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of expert information and real chats on all things pregnancy, birth and beyond. Remember, as a podcast listener, you can get 15% off my online courses at midwifepip.com using the code podcast15. You get your head around newborn life, meeting milestones, you're in the swing of motherhood and then bam, it's time to wean. And where do we even start? This week's guest is sharing all the essential information you need to know about weaning your little one. Dr. Helen Lowell is a doctor, TV presenter, health coach and mother specializing in women's health, lifestyle and nutrition. Helen brings both a medical and a personal perspective as a mother who has experienced the weaning journey herself. So welcome Helen and thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I know you're one busy woman. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's really good to meet you and good to be here. Very excited to talk to you about everything, everything weaning babies. But first of all, what is it all about? Because this term weaning can cause a little bit of confusion, can't it, I think? Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. So when you begin the weaning journey, initially your little one will continue to have their usual either breast milk or infant formula feed. So up until around six months, they'll still very much be fully dependent on that. And then at around six months, that's when they will begin to need some extra nutrition to support their um, development and growth from other foods. So in the early days, they can you can continue with your usual routine um, of milk and that will gradually sort of fizzle out towards the 12 month mark and um, whilst you introduce solid foods although I think the definition of introducing solid foods is a bit misleading because actually um, they're not necessarily going to be solid straight away and um, which I'm sure we'll come on to but um, they also could be depending on if you go with baby lead or not. Mm, that's so true and actually that leads me into my my next kind of statement or question which is that some research that's been done shows us that almost half of parents are confused and overwhelmed by the weaning process, which I can completely relate to. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I can relate to that too, because I felt like that, you know, mm. even as a doctor and I've you know, got an interest in nutrition, there's so much information out there. And I think until you do it, you have no clue. You know, it's one of those things in life, isn't it? Until, until you've done it, you don't know what you're doing. You just don't know what you're doing. It's like motherhood, really. We're just winging it all. <laughs> yeah, you feel like you've done six months of winging it all. And then you're like, oh, okay, there's this new thing. <laughs> Um, and actually, I was really, really excited because I'm a foodie and I'm really interested in nutrition. So I was really excited to, to get going. Um, but yeah, I think it's because there's so much information out there online. It's easy to Google it and come up with all this information. Grandparents, friends, other parent friends giving their advice. 
And actually, you want to make sure that you're using like the evidence based, the right advice for your little one to keep them safe, really. Mm, definitely. And I think, you know, that has changed over the years, hasn't it? Which is why we're talking about it today to get that kind of best up to date stuff. And one of the things that has definitely changed is when to wean. So when is the right time to start introducing your baby to solid foods? And is there any kind of signs we can look out for that our little one might be approaching the kind of weaning stage? Yeah, there's three signs you can look out for. And these happen at around six months. So it's at around the six month mark when you're going to be thinking about introducing the little one to foods. And um, it's really important not to do it at four or five months because they're not developed properly to cope with, you know, the process of chewing and there's a higher risk of choking and also their gastric tract, you know, from their mouth, their esophagus into their stomach and down through their bowel. It's not mature enough to cope with food. So although I was really keen and wanted to get going ASAP, I'm really glad that I did wait until he was ready and he was clearly showing the signs. So the three signs would be sitting up and, and holding their head steady, which most babies can do at around six months. And um, because they need to be able to, to support themselves when they're eating, it's important they're in an upright position, reduce the chance of choking. And um, being able to coordinate their hands, their eyes and their mouth. <laughs> uh, something we take for granted, don't we, as adults? But um, and often by this point, you will have noticed baby is starting to reach for things. Um, and it's important not to confuse the reaching for food as actually being ready. They need to be able to pick up food, put it in their hand um, and yeah, and bring it to their mouth, along with the other two signs to be ready. Um, and the third one is being able to actually digest the food, chew the food. Um, without most of it coming back out. Um, so we want most of it to, to be um, digested um, rather than them um, spitting it all back out. Having said that, there may be some foods initially where they just don't like the flavour and they may stick their tongue out and make a rather cute um, little face. Um, and that's slightly different. Oh, I love it. And they do pull some funny faces, don't they, when they first start yeah. tasting food? You have to have the camera just subtly at the ready. <laughs> yeah, there'll be lots of funny photographs, definitely, in the early days. Oh, and just a little bit of mess. Um, you mentioned <laughs> previously, Helen, the baby-led weaning and that kind of confusion around the term solids. Would you mind just elaborating a little bit for parents listening? Because I'm sure baby-led uh, is kind of a term that people have heard of, but are thinking, well, what does that really mm -hmm. mean? Yeah, I guess we're really moving into the what territory. So what do we give mm -hmm. baby at around six months? And there's different ways of doing it. The NHS advice and all this advice you can find on the Start for Life Weaning Hub, which is an amazing resource. I wish I'd had access to it, is um, twofold really. But the common way of approaching things is to start by introducing single flavoured purees. So by that, we mean either vegetables, well, a combination, actually, of vegetables and fruits. And um, so you may on one day, um, you may start with um, blended carrots. On another day, you may give them blended and um, pureed raspberries, for example. And um, so just starting with the single flavours. And initially, it'll just be about getting the flavours, getting them used to the flavours of foods and the textures. Remember, they don't have to consume large quantities because they've still got the milk there to support them. Um, and it's really important in those early days um, to introduce as much variety as possible. So variety is really, really key. And the reason it's key is because the more variety of flavours you can expose little one to in these early months um, and early years, the less likely they are to be a fussy eater as they get older, which um, 
is a whole new thing that can be really mm. difficult to manage and you end up feeling lots of parent guilt so the more variety the better so initially it may be pureed and blended foods but then really as soon as you think baby's um ready you can then start to introduce mashed foods which won't be as um liquidy um and so that's one approach um and then some parents will do baby led weaning right from the beginning so with the pureed and blended normally you're feeding them with a spoon and you're feeding them yourself although you can give the spoon to them with the baby led it's very much they're completely in control so you would be putting food on their tray and allowing them to completely feed themselves now that's difficult to do with pureed food so this is often when it comes down to finger food so mm. things like um chopped carrot um or uh yeah veg sticks cucumber um bits of fruit mushy fruit being careful of things like um grapes and things initially because of choking hazards um but what most parents do and what i do is a combination so in the early days i did the blended and mashed and then when i felt he was ready at around seven months i started yeah we started with the baby led so it's a true combination which seemed to work really well and I think that's the thing, isn't it? Finding what's working best for you as a family and not feeling that kind of pressure that we must do one or the other and fit in a certain box because we don't fit in boxes as people, do we? We're all so beautifully unique. So I love that approach. Kind of feels like you're taking the pressure off a little bit as well, doing that a little bit yeah. more pressure. Yeah, I'm really glad you've mentioned that. There is a lot of pressure, isn't there? And you absolutely have to go with what you you feel right. Once you know you're doing the right thing at the right time, you can then just relax and enjoy it and have fun and make it as messy as fun playful experience as you can and um, especially in the early days where it really doesn't matter about the quantities and be guided by your little one you know they will you can respond to their cues and um you know they may really enjoy holding the spoon and grabbing um the veg sticks and things so yeah really being guided by them and an element of going with the flow definitely now Helen we've both got little ones which means we have both quite recently um, been on the good old weaning journey so totally resonating with parents out there that are thinking oh my goodness I'm going to start or are kind of starting starting to figure that out for them and their family what would you say have been some of your biggest challenges and successes um, when you were weaning your little boy Oh, I think the successes is having access to a range of different ideas of what foods mm. to give them and just making a little plan, like almost like a little weekly planner and just planning ahead and making it fit with maybe the foods that you're going to be eating that week. So if you know you're doing a bolognese, you know, you've got carrots in there and um, other vegetables. So that sort of takes the thinking out of it. So being organised definitely pays and it doesn't need to be much, maybe just 10 minutes at the beginning of the week thinking ahead mm. Um, also having the right equipment. Um, you know, you do, there are certain things that you do, you don't need to fork out loads, but making sure you've got a high chair where they can be strapped in safely, um, the appropriate bibs, you might want one of those bibs that sort of attaches to the tray so it's all in one because it will get messy, or some parents will put like a sheet down on the floor, um, which they can just wipe down and wash, um, spoons, bowls, things like that, so just feeling like you're, you're organised and, and planning ahead. Um and I think really the biggest challenge is trying to make it fit, you know, trying to make it fit. You're probably listening and thinking, God, I'm already really busy. I'm working and things. Um, and my advice there would be um, plan ahead and try and do little mini batch cooks. So if you know you like if you know you've cooked like a sweet potato in the oven um, and you've mashed it up, you're only going to use a little bit. Put the rest in freezer in, a, in the freezer. So we had those little square pots a little ice cube trays oh. ice and ice trays exactly They're amazing because it's the perfect um, like size as well isn't it the little ice cube slot yeah. 
the perfect size. And we still use a bigger version of those now. And then once you've got a few different single flavors and single fruits and veg, you can then begin to combine the flavors together. Mm. And even, um, you know, as you progress over time, if you know you're doing a soup or a stew or a curry, you can, you know, just when you've done your your cooking, just put a little bit in the freezer for for baby to try later. So, yeah, I think um, the overwhelming feel, feel, feeling of how am I going to fit this in? And this feels like this is a lot to think about. Um, with a little bit of forward planning and having the right equipment, it makes it so much easier. Mm, I love that. And actually, those tips that you just shared, you know, the freezing bits, the, the pre-planning is a really great way of saving on food waste as well. And then, you know, the cost of living crisis and wanting to uh, sort of parent more sustainably, actually they're great hacks for ticking those boxes as well, which is fantastic. Yeah, they really, really are. And even now, and this is what I coach a lot of women on really is, um, you know, batch cooking, thinking ahead. And if you've got a freezer, it doesn't need to be much of a freezer, even just a freezer drawer. But if you, um, if you are able to access a bigger freezer or chest freezer, yeah, that's just the general approach that we tend to use in our household. And it does save you loads of money and, and the waste as well. And fruit, fruit that's about to go off in the fruit bowl is a great one for freezing and for pureeing and freezing when it's nice and mushy and it's got all of those natural sugars in. Mm, that's a good one, because I definitely found in the early days when my little boy wasn't directly eating what we were eating, because obviously you're simplifying it and pureeing it, etc. One of my challenges was that sort of food waste worry, because I would puree up all of this carrot. And even if you puree like half a carrot actually makes quite a lot of puree, doesn't it? And the amount they eat is tiny. Um, so I quite often felt like, oh, my goodness, I've suddenly got all of this pureed carrot that funnily enough, no one else in the house really fancied eating for lunch. Um, that was then left over so that was definitely a, a great hack for kind of breaking down that barrier for us so I definitely recommend freezer ice cube trays and mini pots that you can just label up and have on hand that saves time as well as money doesn't it it's a great one and the other thing to add um, to that pip is that um, it's really important not to give um, your little one any extra added salt or sugar and although it's really tempting to buy some of the pre-made products um especially in the early day the longer early days the longer you can avoid the better um just because we do want to make sure baby's not having extra sugars and salt and actually babies have a natural inclination to be drawn towards sweet foods so the more that you can introduce those more unusual different flavors in their diet the early days the better so things that you might not necessarily eat on a regular basis yourself but things like asparagus or um, avocado and parsnips you know things that almost have like a, a bit of flavor that will really help baby as they get older to not be as fussy yeah that's a great hack and actually that's something I think we're starting to talk about a little bit more um and just touching on that so because babies do date they milk whether it's breast milk or falling milk tends to be quite sweet um so we're hearing lots now about making those first flavors more vegetable based than fruit based where you can because often babies you know i've not met a baby that's turned down mashed banana like it's just the the baby heaven isn't it but actually yeah. introducing like some broccoli before things like that and not being put off, I think, Helen, by their faces, because we forget mm. that all they've ever tasted is their milk. Um, so any other taste is quite odd. And often they'll pull a face that we might think is them not liking it, but it's not actually necessarily that, is it? It's just that it's very different to what they're used to experiencing. Yeah, that's exactly it. And also remembering that it can take 10 exposures to a flavour until they actually decide whether they really like it or not. Mm -hmm. So it's really important not to be put off by the pace, the face pulling, like you said, and to keep introducing. Even now, my little boy's three now, 
these things that I keep just introducing, you know, every other week and um, maybe a couple of times a month, I'll keep going back to, to those different flavours and, and different types of vegetables and foods and not giving up on that because otherwise you're really narrowing their repertoire of foods that they like. And not only is that detrimental in terms of we need a broad variety of nutrition in our diet, but also, like I say, in terms of food behaviours. And um, so, yeah, don't be put off by those faces. Definitely. What else would you recommend for parents to help boost their confidence, Helen, when it comes to weaning? I definitely recommend they check out the Start for Life Weaning Hub. It's an NHS based advice and it's absolutely packed full of all the good stuff that we're talking about. And it just takes the thinking out of it, really. Um, there's videos there and you can see other parents and, and their babies. And it tells you what you need to get ready. There's loads of great recipe ideas on there as well. So it really does take the thinking out of it. And again, making sure you've got the range of foods that you need. Um, and it will really guide you through the different food groups. So as baby gets older and they, they start to eat more, um, it will really guide you through the different food groups. So we've spoken about vegetables and fruits, but then um, it's important to start moving on to the other food groups. So starchy foods like rice, porridge, chapatis, um, pita breads, protein, so meats and fish, and then the plant-based proteins like tofu, beans, pulses, um, and dairy. So it guides you through all those different food groups to make sure you're getting the range, the range of things in there. There's recipes for all of those different food groups. Oh, amazing. Yeah, definitely one to, to check out. It'll be linked in the episode description for anyone who wants to head over to that. Um, and anything that makes it easier is a big thumbs up, isn't it? Like it's got to help. So definitely, definitely one to look at. Now, I know one of the things that worries so many parents when it comes to weaning, and I was definitely included in this, Helen, is allergies or choking. What can we do to try and avoid or at least be prepared for these eventualities? Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? Because you don't want to have to think about either of those. But actually, if you can just take time to think about it ahead of it and potentially happening, you'll feel far more confident with dealing with the situation. So the first thing is um, differentiating between gagging and choking. So it's a completely normal part of baby's development and them learning to chew and eat foods to gag. So when they're gagging, that will be loud and they may go a bit red. And that's just part of their normal reflex at the back of the throat as food's going down there. They're learning. That's how they're learning. Um, so don't panic if they're gagging. You will know if it then becomes a choke um, or a choke is very different to gagging. So with choking, they'll go quiet because their airway is obstructed. There's no air getting in and out. So they're unable to make a loud noise. And um, so if they're quiet and um, they begin to get blue, you know, around the lips and gums and fingertips and things, that would be a really serious sign. Um, and as we're talking about this, if that did happen, the first thing you would want to do is call for help, like scream out in case someone's in the house or pick up the phone if you need to, get them out of the chair and then hold their chin and their chest and do some um, sharp blows um, on their back um, in between their shoulder blades with the heel of your hand. Um, five sharp blows. And that should be enough to dislodge anything um, yeah, so uh, useful to know what to do. Um, it's not very common, um, but gagging is. So definitely look out for, mm. for, for that. Perfect. And what about allergies? Because that's another thing that concerns parents, isn't it? Rightly so. Yeah, absolutely. And we hear a lot of that, don't we, these days? And it see, they yeah. seem to be more prevalent, the food allergies. Um, so when we're talking about food allergens, the list of things that are included on there would be um, cow's milk. Um, eggs, nuts and peanuts, which are the common ones we've heard of, seeds, soya, 
um, fish, shellfish and gluten. Um, now, the key here is to not avoid those. So you may think, oh, I'm really nervous, especially maybe if there's a family history. Um, I'm going to avoid them. But actually, we know now that if you can expose your little one to these foods in the early days, they're actually less likely to go on to develop food allergies. So that first year or six months to 12 months is really crucial. Um, when you are introducing them, um, you want to do that one at a time. Um, so, for example, if you were going to maybe sprinkle some seeds or um, do some crushed nuts onto um, whatever they're eating, you would just do that and observe for any changes. So rashes, localised rashes around the mouth um, and more serious things would be them wheezing or having difficulty breathing and um, the swelling of their tongue and, and face. Um, th those can happen either immediately or in the following um, 24 to 48 hours. So leave two to three days space before introducing each, each allergen. Um, and, and don't be scared. You're not creating an allergy by giving them the foods. Actually, what you're doing is you're helping them to not be allergic when they get older. That's really good advice because, yeah, like you say, sometimes you think, oh, I've, you know, I've caused that. You almost feel guilt, don't you? I gave them that too early. But actually, like you say, it's the complete opposite. So that's really, really helpful advice. Helen, you have given us amazing information and advice. Anyone listening who is about to start weaning should now feel really nicely equipped. But definitely head over to the Start for Life Weaning Hub because, as Helen said, there is some very useful recipes. And I don't know about you, Helen, but sometimes actually just following a recipe feels quite nice doesn't it in the in the early days when you're boosting your confidence um so that you don't have to take do so much of the thinking let someone else do some of the thinking for you thank you so much you're an absolute star and i really appreciate all of your awesome expertise thank you it's really good to chat to you and good luck to all the parents listening <laughs> before you head off i just need to tell you something 68% of you who listen to my podcast have not hit the subscribe button so can you do me a favor if you have ever enjoyed listening and hit subscribe now? It makes a huge difference and helps me to keep bringing you episodes. The bigger the podcast, the bigger the guests and the more women we can reach and help. Thank you for subscribing and I look forward to chatting again soon.